Blog Talk Radio. another Wednesday night, a little tired from last night, and we'll get into the lightning game a little bit. I'd like to welcome our, um, our guest as always, Mr. Roy Cummings from Tampa Bay, a legend, Mr. Roger Henry from Philadelphia area, a legend, and Mr. Don Henderson slash Sarah Sarah slash the Jersey Shore, a legend. Now, thank you for a dedication 
before we start this wonderful show tonight. Yeah, uh, we want to uh, dedicate tonight's show to a man who's uh, given his entire adult life to the service of uh, his country and to the uh, members of the community. Um, Daryl uh, Stinger, Lieutenant Colonel Daryl Stinger, retired United States Air Force, uh, started his career uh, back in the uh, in 79 as a uh, road deputy in Hillsborough County uh, after graduating from the University of uh, Florida, South Florida, uh, then moved to Sarasota County as a deputy sheriff, ending his career after 25 years as the jail commander and a major uh, with the department. Uh, during his time with the, the um, department, he also was a member of the United States Air Force Reserve, rising to the um, the, rising finally to um, the rank of lieutenant colonel. Uh, some of his positions in the Air Force were he was the blue gold officer, which meant that he was the one that interviewed any uh, young man or woman who wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. And uh, he, it was his decision whether they went or not uh, to forward it to their congressman. Uh, he also was, a, uh, was the command pilot on the F-16. Um, today, um, uh, he has been visited by Parkinson's uh, disease, which is a very um, um, debilitating disease. But he was able to go through a, a, a successful operation for deep brain stimulation uh, at Tampa General Hospital. And uh, we're happy to say that uh, Daryl uh, made it through it and is in, uh, in good hands. And to, to Mary, James, and David, um, we want to, uh, and all the rest of their family, we want to send out our best wishes. And uh, D-Boy, uh, you get uh, healthy and you'll be back on with us. Oh, That's encouraging, that's Frank. Great. Very encouraging. Very, yeah, very absolutely. Very, very encouraging. And my, my brother oh. passed away with uh, Parkinson's, and uh, he got it very early in life, about mm. 47 years old. And wow. uh, so I'm very, very familiar with Parkinson's and what happens. And Michael J. Fox, of course, I guess is the... Uh, Right, the biggest name to ever get Parkinson's disease, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he went for that uh, that that new brain operation that they uh, have incorporated into the program. But uh, we wish certainly wish him all the luck in the world. Uh, there's been a lot of progress in the last ten years, and and mm-hmm. he's going to be the beneficiary of a lot of hard work. Yep, Absolutely. yes he will, yes he will. Gentlemen, what a hockey game last night! Over who played, Tommy? What's that? <laughs> Who played? Uh, the Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I thought we were going to talk about the Flyers' uh, Lightning game of a few nights ago. <laughs> I know, but this this game is a go ahead, this game go is, ahead Tommy. We don't want to we don't want to mess your brain up for the night. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Let's talk about the other game. Let's talk about the other game. Oh my God, is this? The only bad part about that game last night, it took too damn long to play, and it screwed up the schedule for that Boston game that's played 11 o'clock in the, in the morning. So, uh, But, you know, Vavileski, once again, Roy and everybody having trouble in the, in the in the goal. He's having trouble. The defense, Ryan McDonough, is just standing around watching a good game. And, once again, Kucherov, shoot the doggone puck, as Phyllis Vegeta would say, shoot the puck while in the crease. I'll shoot the puck, but he's, every time he shoots, is everything wide outside. Wasn't for a gutty performance by Yanni Gord, Brendan Point, 
and individual stars like that. And Victor had been for sure had a really great game. It wasn't for this, those three people entirely. The Lightning would be down 0-1 going into Thursday afternoon. Guys, what do you think about that? Well, Tommy, well, after really months it off of first. trying to, uh, yeah, Tommy, after months of trying to squeeze the Lightning into the top segment here, when it wasn't necessarily <laughs> the most important or even close to the most interesting topic. Uh, today, we can't deny you, my friend. Uh, you are absolutely right. The Lightning played one of the five longest NHL games ever. It was um, it was epic. It was um, – I'm not sure it was one of the best games ever played, but uh, you get into something like that, it's very unique. It was historic, no doubt about it. And uh, one of those games where you ha- at the end of the day you were going to feel bad for whoever lost, no matter who lost. And, um, and you're right. Uh, look, I, I won't say this. I won't agree with you about Vasilevsky. I, I thought he was the second best player on the ice last night next to uh, uh, Junis Corposalo. Uh, Corposalo facing 87 right. shots. Um, you know, Vasilevsky, what, stopped 61 of his, uh, his own. Um, right. You know, Roy, let me, let me interject not... one point, Roy. Let me interject this one point to you. And then uh, I thought that the, observation at the end of the game was really following what you're saying. And they thought that the two number one stars should have been the two goaltenders. Shouldn't have been a one, two, three. It should have been two goaltenders. Number one of stars of the game. Yeah. I I don't disagree with that at all. And, uh, but you know, they went with the Corpus number one star and a Vasilevsky number two, and then point for getting the game winner is the number three. Right. Look, it was just a, it was a, a really, it was an incredible hockey game, and uh, it, it brought up a lot of questions about the way hockey is played in the playoffs. You know, should it go on like that? You know, I'm a purist. I believe it should. Um, yes, I, I like so. that. I think, you know, and I know that Carolina was upset. I don't know that Boston aired too much of a gripe, but you guys might know better than me about the the change of the time. But I mean, if they'd have gone ahead and played last night, they would have been playing at midnight. I think it's a lot easier to sleep on it come back, play the next mm-hmm. day at 11 o'clock. It's not like they're going yes. anywhere. You know, we've got a I unique agree. situation here, and I think that played mm-hmm. into it. But, uh, hey, you know what? It was a, it was one of those uh, games of attrition, uh, you know, and, and the Lightning finally started doing kind of, Tommy, what you were talking about at the end, just, you know, throwing the puck on the net. It, it was interesting right. to me how Columbus was very content with sticking to their game plan, which – didn't include a lot of four checking uh, called for a lot of uh, three men, three men hanging back, playing defense, lining up at the blue line and just waiting for a chance. You know, they had their chance. Cam Atkinson had the breakaway. Uh, Victor Hedman after five periods mm-hmm. on a bad ankle uh, or after eight periods mm-hmm. on a bad ankle, somehow broke that play up uh, illegally, by the way. And uh, I I thought it was really a well-played game. Uh, It was interesting how Columbus stuck to their structure and how um, uh, Tampa, in essence, stuck to theirs. And, uh, you know, once uh, once somebody started to take some chances and uh, and throw some pucks at the net, uh, all it takes is a good bounce here and there and uh, maybe a seeing eye puck. And uh, that's how the Lightning benefited. Look, Mike Milber, I'm not going to steal this this bit of information. Uh, or, or claim it's mine or anything like that. Uh, Mike Milner made a good point uh, during the game. These games have a tendency to really uh, separate the men from the boys in a lot of ways, and it'll be interesting to see who, uh, and I don't mean from a team standpoint, but what players struggle coming away from that physically and mentally. 
Um, Columbus has a lot to, to come back from mentally after losing because it's a tough loss. Um, but both teams mm-hmm. are going to have players who may struggle to come back physically. I haven't heard anything from the NHL about, you know, moving next tomorrow's game maybe to Friday or anything, but uh, so we'll probably be right back at it tomorrow as normal. And we'll see who's got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who can, who can come back. Columbus is really up against it. Uh, guys played four out of six, four and six nights, three straight overtime games, and then, you know, one with five overtimes. So uh, quite a ser- quite a series opener for sure. Well, Roy, what they're actually going into in tomorrow's game is the fact that they really played, uh, you know, every single day because you add the overtime periods to the fact that they had played four games in a row before that, and then you add the overtime. They played eight straight games going into tomorrow, and they really em- uh, emphasized last night in the postgame shows with both teams in the interviews as to how they were going to be affected. Most people thought, I don't know if it's correct or not, but most people thought that had the Lightning lost that game, it would have been devastating to them. However, the way, the, the way it turned out with the Lightning winning 3-2, to two, you're right. It's going to be a matter now, can they go vice versa? Can the other team come back from playing eight consecutive days, really, and Ooh. come back and play another game like that tomorrow night? And they are going to play tomorrow. Ooh. They are going to play tomorrow. Yeah, you're right. And, and you, you know what, you, Don, I think you're right. Had, had Tampa Bay lost that game, now it's getting into your head about, you know, these guys, what is it about this Columbus Blue Jackets team in the playoffs that we can't seem to figure out? Um, you know, you, you could even have, I mean, look, there's a, there should be a little, of, a little of that kind of creeping around inside the heads of the lightning as it is. I mean, it took them eight periods to win a game. <laughs> and like I said, it was kind of a seeing eye puck and it was a, it was a good shot by, by Braden Point, but you know, right. uh, 28 feet away. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's not like uh, it, it, it was a special play or anything. So um, you could really wonder, you know, Tampa's probably thinking a little bit itself that, you know, maybe it dodged the bullet there. And I think that's the way Columbus is going to have to look at it uh, because they're going to have to say, look, we've got these guys. We got to, you know, we just, we're a right. tired team. We got to get our legs back. If we can do that. Uh, we can take this series from these guys. I don't think it's going to be a quick series, guys. I don't think anybody's winning this one four games to none. I may be wrong, but I think this one goes six or seven for sure. And it's, at that at that stage, it's, it's anybody's series still. I have to agree with you Tommy? about that, Roy. But, but Roy, that was, felt, that was played in Tampa, and we we went to our, our old spot in the old days. We would probably probably one would be there for last callings. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, the good news is it wasn't that late. The good news is right. the game started at three o'clock. Uh, Tommy may be going right. to bed at ten, but you know it was uh, the game was over by what nine o'clock. So um, right. you know, timing-wise, it was it, it was beneficial. That's a good thing. It was thing perfect. Because, yeah, yes. it was perfect. It was it was prime time hockey, historic hockey in prime time, and you know I hope a lot of people got a chance to see it. Um, and you know, and it's interesting too. Look, this was Tampa's first real test. Uh, even as the announcer said in that game. They kind of the lightning kind of sleepwalked, uh, sleepwalked through um, uh, through the through the round robin portion. Mm-hmm. I think they took it seriously, but I don't think they took it as seriously as uh, as the Flyers did. The the Flyers are playing like a team that still is out to to prove that it belongs, and uh, I like the right. way they're playing. Excited about what we're going to see from them tonight uh, against Montreal. Montreal's got to be feeling really good about itself getting in. 
major upset that they uh, they pulled off beating uh, Pittsburgh. So I, I really like what uh, what this game could present tonight and what this whole series with uh, Philadelphia. I, I think as we've been talking about for several weeks, guys, and even back into the the end of the regular season, Philadelphia is a team to watch. They are a team on the rise, and if they don't get there all the way this year. Uh, they're they're going to be able to say that they took a big stride, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule uh, this year. There, there's no doubt about that. Roger? Well, I'm glad we're talking about the Flyers because, you know, <laughs> I uh, like I said, I expected we were going to talk about that Lightning game. I watched that whole thing. I be honest, I didn't see the Lightning game last night. I got hooked on the Phillies and uh, – with one oh. comeback after another and a, and a fiasco at the end of the game. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous for major league. I didn't players. like that pop fly. that was dropped with four guys standing at the mound. Right. That's my point. <laughs> I mean, you do better in little league than that. Okay. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, uh, the, uh, I, I did read a, about the lightning game today and it had to be very, very exciting. And, Whenever I Terrific. think whenever you get uh, something like that, Roy, and of course last night was the first time that I've seen a extra inning game with the new criteria with a guy on second base to start the tenth inning. So uh, you know that 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 seemed a little strange for the first time that I've seen it. Well, if you want to well, divert into a little bit of baseball talk, Roger, you know I'll say this about the the new baseball rule: the the, the second man on second to start extra innings. I don't think it's really doing what uh, Major League Baseball hoped it would, which is ending games quickly. Right. I, I don't think we're going to – I I mean, obviously we've got a long way to go before we can really have a, enough sam- of a sample size to, to really break it down, but I don't think we're going to see a big difference in terms of how many games end early, earlier as a result of this rule as opposed to just going and playing it the, regular, the way you usually do. I may be wrong about that, but the point I'm making is you start with a guy on second base. This is Major League Baseball. It's not hard to, you know, get a, get a ground ball to second, a fly ball to right, a uh, deep fly ball to center, get him on third, get the runner in. So teams are kind of trading runs. It, it's, you know, it's almost kind of like a, a shootout type situation. So, right. um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of like the rule because it, 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 you know, gives you some automatic excitement right away. Which uh, and it does, you know, it does present the opportunity for one team to certainly take a, an edge, and then you got to play defense. But uh, it's Major League Baseball; it's not hard to get a guy in from second with nobody out. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Seen it I mean, twice we've had a couple of, what's that? I I've seen it twice. I saw it in the Mets game in the opening against the Braves, and, and then what I saw did you it. Think? I, well, I, I don't like giving baseball. You know, you I'm I'm against yeah. what's going on right now, so I'm a bad guy to talk to about it. I, no, you know, I think you're right. I, I, I talk to you because I agree with you. I'm not a fan of gimmick baseball either. I don't think they need it. I mean, it did give it no, a lot of seven, in, this seven, this seven inning stuff is a waste of time. I mean, play the game for if you're going to play baseball, you got to play nine innings. You don't play seven innings and say, you know, the Phillies went through this last weekend. I mean, ooh, I mean, it's not baseball. That's all I can say. I don't nothing else I can say about it. Well, I agree with you on that, Don. I'm not a fan of the seven inning thing you know it's a minor league uh rule that that's been in place since way back when i was involved in the minor leagues uh with the tigers organization and you know and it makes some sense it makes them to me it makes some sense now because right now you've got so many games backed up 
because, you know, for, for Miami and uh, obviously St. Louis now and the teams that have lost games because of that. Um, but, you know, again, with the, with the expanded rosters, you know, I could see maybe an issue where you ask teams to expand their rosters a little bit more for a, a double header that's, you know, coming about is because, you know, if it comes about as a result of guys testing positive for the coronavirus or whatever. But I'm not a fan of the gimmick baseball either. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I sort of see why – in fact, I do see why they're doing it. Um, it just it, it just changes things. You know, for a, for a lot of teams, um, it's good. I mean, if, if the Cubs right now, the way they're starting pitching is going, they don't have to worry about the bullpen that's uh, been, been so awful for them. So, well, the Yankees uh, it, are the same way. The Yankees don't have to worry yeah. about it. they got more pitchers than they can possibly handle, and they haven't yeah. lost a series at Yankee Stadium – in 21 consecutive series. <laughs> so, and they, they won again mm. easily again last night. I mean, and, but and uh, the Phillies release uh, core has an ERA of over 10. What does that oh, tell you? Oh, terrible. Worse than baseball. terrible. Yeah, terrible. absolutely. Well, they, they can, they can hit for power and they can, uh, and they can hit and uh, they, they, the starting pitching is not too bad. So, and they're, and you know, so we'll see, hey, uh, you know, they can beat up on uh, teams like the Orioles and stuff. We'll, We'll see what happens to them. Um, you know, look, I think we all thought the Yankees were going to be one of the better teams uh, anyway. Uh, they're proving to be that. Yeah, they're tough to beat at Yankee Stadium. There's no doubt about that. But uh, somebody, will, somebody will come around and surprise them at some point. Well, let's go back <laughs> to the real sport that's being played right now. That's a hockey. I mean, this, this really – this is it. I mean, this count. I mean, every – I saw every minute of that game. I can't say that I went away from it. I saw every hey, minute of it. Fine. And uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have changed the channel for anything. And and uh, but I, I want to go back to running because you and Tommy talk, especially Tommy talk a lot, uh, and others about the officiating. You know that Hegman play w- was one of the great plays you're ever going to see, and everybody mm-hmm. was questioning whether it was going to be a penalty or not. And they really went over oh, at, during the game and also on a post game show, saying how how clearly. He made one of the great plays in hockey by not getting called for anything. And I'll tell you why he didn't get called for anything, guys. He he benefited from the fact, first of all, um, you know, he, he did everything right. But he benefited right. from the fact that Cam Atkinson lost control of the puck just as Hedman was about to engage with him. If he still got control of the puck and he drags him down, well, now you've got a penalty. Cam yeah, Atkinson but he pushed him from the back. The he didn't drag him down. He pushed him from the back. That's what, uh, right. He put the forearm on his back, and right. and he didn't try to he didn't try to hook him. And uh, boy, they show must have showed it eight times on the post game show as to how he did that and how legal it was and how great the officiating was that he made that call. That was what I'm, I wanted to talk about the officiating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that no, was a right. tremendous it's, play, but a great great call by the officials. It was a great non-call, and I, and I will say this. I, I like the way the game was officiated throughout the entire uh, uh, overtime, all five periods, because, right. yeah, they pretty much swallowed their whistle. I mean, they, look, when it was blatant, too many men on the ice, they called it. Uh, I saw one high stick that was missed, but it was evened out by another uh, trip, I think, by Columbus that was missed. So, um, you know, I don't mind. Here's my feeling on on playoff hockey is I don't mind when the refs swallow the whistle because it's even for everybody. And and I think the players have a tendency to police themselves enough 
And in overtime hockey, nobody's looking to take a stupid penalty anyway. Um, you know, again, right. if it's blatant, you know, if you, if you, you know, Columbus uh, shot the puck over the, uh, over the glass, uh, it, it was blatant. The, the Lightning had a couple right. of uh, too many men on the ice uh, calls. It was blatant. Um, they missed the last you know, one, though. They missed the, they missed the last they one. The whistle. I, I liked how they did it. I thought it was well-officiated, extremely well-officiated. No, all right, Roger, let's get back to the Flyers. Now, you ready for the Flyers game? I'm all set. Absolutely. I was watching a pregame show, and uh, I can tell you I'm all set for Flyers hockey against the Habs of Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Phillies, won't, the Phillies won't get a minute of my time tonight. I will watch, I will watch the Flyers till the end of the game. <laughs> I'm anxious for this series. I'm, I'm excited for this series, guys, because – Look, Montreal's got a lot of momentum. Uh, they played some darn good hockey and beating up on uh, Pittsburgh. Good for them. Uh, but as I've said, Philadelphia, I think, is uh, they're playing at a, special, uh, at a special level right now. I think they've got a lot of confidence as well. Um, I, I really like that, – that Philly – look, you look behind the, you know, behind the players on the bench in Philadelphia. What do they got? They got like 60-some years of coaching experience back there. And I think 23 right. or th- almost 30 years of – uh, coaching experience and playing experience combined uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, not just the Stanley Cup Playoffs. So um, th- they've got a lot of uh, guys there that uh, really know how, how to, to play the game at this level at this period of time. So uh, I, think, I think they're really primed for a great series and a good run here. I'll be surprised if this is not a, a good series, and I'll be surprised if Philadelphia doesn't uh, go at least, couple, at least a round and maybe even two. Uh, right now, I think they might be a favorite to get into the finals, guys. Well, I mm-hmm. see the guys on the network, uh, analysts, uh, I think Keith Jones and the other fella, uh, I think they said, uh, or I, I heard on the radio, I guess, six games. They figure the Phillies, the, I mean, the, the Flyers will beat the Habs in six. And I agree with mm. that. I think that, that's very – it could be seven. You know, you never know when you get into the playoffs. But uh, uh, one thing I did like about the play-in, uh, fellas, was it was like the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, right. it, it really it was. Those games were exciting. They had, uh, no matter who you were watching, I watched a lot of hockey. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, from a Philadelphia perspective, the guy that's looking down and he's one happy flyer is Ed Snyder. Yes, he is, <laughs> yep. Roger. Yeah, that's a good point, Roger. You're right. He's got to be very happy. It's been a while since the Flyers were relevant, and uh, they are again. And I'm I'm really hoping. Uh, I don't know how you can't be a fan of that team. I I know Philadelphia is a buzz with with that team, and rightfully so. Uh, I don't know how casual hockey fans can't be pulling for him because a um, bunch of good guys on that team. A lot of guys who've been, you know, been through the wars, fought Claude Giroux, some of those guys. Uh, young goaltender and Corey Hart. I, I just I like the team a lot. Heck, I said it a year ago. I liked what they were doing, where they were headed, and uh, like I said, they, they, their, their arrival uh, at the top level might be just a little bit uh, ahead of schedule. Never anything wrong with that. Uh, they're going to get their chance to prove that they belong there for sure. And now I I agree with you 100 percent, Roger. The play-in series were exceptional. I thought I, I had a hard time remembering that it was a play-in thing. And not thinking right. it was the first round of the Stanley Cup Finals as it was, 
Um, Amen. And, and I like the fact that uh, Philadelphia, I think more than anybody, certainly more than Tampa, certainly more than the Capitals, uh, took the uh, round-robin series seriously and played for positioning. And you know what? Congratulations on them for getting there. We got dinner on the table, and we got we got Bill Berge on the in the on deck circle. So once Roy, again, with all the football, Roy, have a great week. Thank you very much. We always learn a lot when you're on with us. All right, guys, thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Roy. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, Roy. All right, boys, let's switch uh, switch sports right now. Well, we won't have to switch switch sports because Bill's a pretty good hockey fan too. But Bill Berge, oh, welcome good. back. Uh, what? What do you talk about football news? There are so many things going on right now that we could talk to you about. Uh, uh, what do you think about this, the, the hockey first, and then we'll go to the football? Well, I think that we got a great hockey team, and I follow hockey uh, next to football. It is my favorite sport. But I want to tell you, if we don't have football in the greater Delaware Valley, there's going to be people that are going to be cutting their wrists because some people uh, live from birthday to birthday, the first of the year to the first of the year. But the fans here in Philadelphia, it's football season to football season. And I certainly hope that uh, that we will have one, and I hope that they can work it out. I've seen where the uh, Pac-12 and uh, the Big Ten have said uh, mm-hmm. no football in college until uh, until maybe the spring. Uh, I just hope that's not going to be the case in Philadelphia. Roger. Well, I think that's a mistake by the, uh, by the conferences. Who's to say that it's going to be any better? I mean, if we have a vaccine, that'll change everything. But who can predict in the spring it's going to be any different than now? And I agree. Listen, I disagree with Nick Saban on a lot of things. But I agree with him that the the players are under more control when there's practice and you have games going on than they are when they don't have practice and games because they're, they have a lot more free time. Whereas when they're under the, like the a bubble, so to speak, you know, they're, they're under control. And I, I agree with the coach on that. Well, you know something, I can agree with that to a, just to a point, but uh, you've got to keep one thing in mind with these college football players. They're, they're young puppy dogs, and uh, they like to go on out and do crazy things. They feel like they're infallible, and, uh, you know, things can uh, really happen. Uh, I know it's a, a, a big decision on a lot of people, but uh, all of a sudden you get a breakout in one of these colleges, and uh, that's pretty much Katie barred the door. I just hope it it will happen, but... Guys, we're just living in unbelievable, terrible times right now. I know one thing that's really driving me crazy, and I'm not happy with it. But, uh, you know, it, it it is what it is, and we've just got to do the best we can and uh, work it out the best we can. You're exactly right. Bill, I think that's really a very interesting comment because we I don't think we've anybody's ever spent a series of time like we've spent over the last six, seven months in, in – in all sports and just in the world, forget whether it's sports or not. And, uh, but I'm a little bit surprised at some of the players that have opted out in the pro game because, uh, you know, they still haven't made a commitment other than to say that we're looking to start on, you know, the middle of September, like we would start the regular season. But a lot of teams, uh, Jets for one, have had some big players. I mean, some big players have stepped back. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, the, the, 
the Patriots, I think they've lost eight players. Uh, right, I think right. uh, opted out. Uh, there's somewhere around 75 of them uh, with uh, all of the teams. you got to respect that. Uh, you know, uh, there, there are players that have just had, uh, you know, a child. Uh, they've had parents that have been sick, and uh, they just want to err on the side of caution. So you do have to respect, uh, you know, what they, they do. Uh, I, I just, the thing that really makes me sad, guys, more than anything, you know, forget the football players just for a second. Think of all of the concessionaires, uh, the parking, right. mm-hmm. uh, all of that. The trickle-down effect on no football is going to be super gigantic, and it's really very, very sad. And uh, I, I, I feel sorry for so many people that uh, it, it's it's mm-hmm. really it's really sad. You know, I'm I'm a big Penn State uh, guy. Uh, I I would love to uh, see college football. As a matter of fact, I almost like college football as much as I like pro football. And I hear mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you're, you're talking about uh, minimum $100 million they're going to lose. And they subsidize right. all of these other uh, sports for their particular right. colleges. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it really brings a tear to my eye. I agree. I'm saying on a more positive, positive note, Bill, uh, but staying with football, you have to be happy about the way the Hall of Fame has restructured uh, the voting where it looks like Coach Vermeil can get in next year, yes. hopefully. Great. But, they, uh, but with that new structure, it gives Dick a, a really good shot because, you know, he was a finalist, I think, last year. But now okay. I think this will be – what gets him over this, uh, the uh, hurdle. What do you think? Well, you know something, I think so too. Uh, you know, Dick Vermeil, besides him being a, a real good football guy, he's just a, mm-hmm. a great person. And, uh, you know, I, I was uh, all pro several times in my career. And I'll tell you what, he didn't cut me any slack. He kept trying his hardest <laughs> to bring the best out of me. And, you know, I just had dinner with him uh, just last week, he and Frank LeMaster and our wives. And uh, besides him being my head coach and uh, my boss uh, at one time, I can honestly say he's one of my best friends, and we talk to each other all the time. And for him to get into the Hall of Fame would just be the, the greatest thing in the world. We got a guy going in this year uh uh, Harold Carmichael, who is uh, very deserving mm-hmm. of it also. Well but uh, Dick Vermeil really deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he does. I'll tell you, he 100%. came out strongly, too, uh, when he was uh, elected last year and talked about Dick being absolutely the next guy that should get into the Hall of Fame. So, coming like it was with you, Bill, he's 100% behind uh, Dick getting in right away. Well, the thing that's really unbelievable is he was the high school coach of the year uh, in California. He was the college coach of the year. He was the professional coach of the year. Now I want to see him uh, add that Hall of Fame uh, tag to his name uh, also. Absolutely. What's going to happen to him? You know, Bill, what's going to happen to him? Tommy, you know. I'm sorry. Tommy, go go ahead. Oh, okay. Thank you, Roger. Bill, how are you doing today? Your, Your buddy, I think, is down in Avalon, but he he told me he saw you to work out back in back in June up there. <laughs> so, well, once you come back down this next winter, hopefully, like 
like we playing the we'll be playing a game up there again and hopefully get this NHL started. But I think I give Gary Gary Bennett more more credit in the whole world by keeping his bubble up here. And he's watching people, average hockey fans just turn in and they're watching like four or five games. And these four or five games have been the best so far that NHL has to offer. Bill, when when you come back down to Florida, we'll have to get you to a Lightning game. Then you really see Kucherov and Babalewski not after the part of the full game. So, oh, well, okay, I'll tell you so what, I. I'm a, I'm down in Florida every year, uh, January, February, and March, and I've got uh, a beautiful place there right on the uh, Homosassa River, just south of nice. uh, Crystal River. About a, uh, It's about an hour and 10-minute drive from uh, the Tampa Bay Airport, and uh, awesome. I would absolutely love to see uh, a lightning game. It would be, uh, it would be a pleasure to go. There you go, Bill. Let me ask you this: You played in a lot of tough games, and uh, it's sometimes short, short notice about coming uh, coming back because of one thing or another. What do you think about last night's hockey game? After they played five overtime periods, uh, they played four days in a row prior to that. They're getting this one day off, and then they're going to come back tomorrow and play again. And one of the things that the players said on the post game shows last night, I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not. They said it's not today. They're not going to feel badly today. They're going to feel badly when they hit the ice tomorrow. It's going to take them time to get those legs going for that game tomorrow night. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this second game of the series turns out after what happened last night. I I couldn't agree more, and I'm telling you that uh, baseball is the same way. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's the Phillies that have got to play 16 games. in 14 days or or 18 games in 14 days or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, the the professional athlete, that body is, it's something that you can't abuse. You've got to, you've got to take care of it and you've got to do all of the right stuff with it. And just to be having your body pounded, pounded, pounded all of the time. It's, it's not really a good thing. You do have to, uh, Relax and uh, kind of let Mother Nature uh, pick you up a little bit before you mm-hmm. get started again. So I couldn't agree with you more. They just need to back off a little bit. Roger? 100%. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Bill, about professional athletes. And the um, I'm sure you've been out to uh, the Eagles uh, uh, camp at, at the NovaCare. And um, they seem to be holding up pretty well against the uh, the virus, and I think everybody's taking a real positive uh, attitude and a, and a mature attitude. How does what what does uh, your reports uh, tell you about it? Well, I've been in touch with uh, a couple of guys with the Eagles, and uh, they're they're just trying to do everything by the book. But uh, this. Uh, virus uh the covid-19 does not discriminate uh, whatsoever and you know these guys are really going to have to watch themselves because i'm telling you they're going to be spitting on each other they're going to be snotting right. on each other they're going to be sweating on each other they're going to be falling on each other and uh, you've just got to really be very cautious about all of this mm. i agree about the same well, thing up there this about everything right now. Fire start up, Roger. About two minutes, three, three nothing, Colorado over, over Arizona. But it's that's the first time, guys, in Arizona's been in the playoffs. Rick Tockett's his first 
job as coach helper. Now, Roger's favorite part of the program comes on. The Flyers are on the ice, Roger. Take it away. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's going to be a great game tonight. It was a terrific game this afternoon. I was holding off on that Washington game this afternoon because we're going to have a, a reporter on from Washington a little bit later on the program. But interesting, uh, Bill, that uh, I thought that some of the coaches really handled themselves very well talking about the responsibility of the player, not only to himself and to his family, but the other people in that dressing room. I mean, you got to, you can't go out and jerk around because it's not, you're, you're not hurting yourself. You're hurting, you know, 45 other guys or whatever number of guys of the team happens to have. And, uh, I thought the coaches, some of the coaches handled that very well. Well, I, I, I concur. I mean, I, uh, I think some of these coaches are really trying to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough when you got, uh, a couple of these big conferences, uh, like the PAC 12, uh, and, uh, the big 10, when they just say, uh, we're going to wait until next uh, spring, and it might not even be uh, there next spring. That's almost right. like cutting your throat. You you just don't know what to do. But uh, they're pretty much uh, all in it together. So I think the Big Ten. I think I think they uh, all of the guys that had a vote. I think they all voted for uh, no football. Mm. And they also That's talked about a number of uh, a number of new uh, rules that they wanted to put in about what the colleges were responsible for in terms of insurance and so forth. There was a lot of debate on all that what the players really wanted before they go back and play. Uh, you know, first time I've ever heard of anything like that, and and so I guess that was part of the decision as well, Bill. Yeah, and uh, another thing uh, they were talking about playing with masks. Well, guess what? It's hard to breathe when you've got yourself a mask on over your helmet, and mm-hmm. uh, they were having uh, they were having trouble with uh, with that uh, that problem. But uh, right. I, I don't know if they're going to have to sign waivers. Uh, you will not sue us if you catch this thing. And uh, but I, I know that there's been players that have had uh, significant heart problems after they've caught this uh, uh, COVID-19 and. Uh, like I said, and I'm not an expert whatsoever, guys, but this is a, a nasty thing that's happening to us, and I just hope that we can get a vaccine that uh, can handle the same uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Bill, if you're on the doctors in, this, in, in the area down here in Tampa and also up in Philadelphia, they'll find, they'll find some way to get vaccine done. I think, I think you know, I was out shopping with my girlfriend, Everybody had a mask on, except mm-hmm. some guy behind me in, a, in the department store. He had no mask on, and not six feet behind me. Now those people should be ruled out of the department stores and where they're shopping at, and, and obey the rules. Everybody obeys the law. This thing will be, this thing will be uh, taken care of before, before the next hockey season takes up. That's my, yeah. that's my prayer and opinion. I, I hope <laughs> it gets you down here safe. <laughs> yeah. Get you down here safe, then. Well, I agree well, with you guys, me, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off, and I want you guys to have a good radio show, and uh, I appreciate rapping with you guys all the time. You're very insightful, and uh, I uh, I enjoyed it. Well, thank you, you very much you. as always, and let's let's hope we get to have a season. Ten four, good buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Frank said a minute ago, Frank said a minute ago on, on the intercom that I didn't hear who who he said was coming up next. I know we yeah, make we some have, changes. We have Sheriff Elect uh, Paul Pern uh coming on. Uh Paul is uh is a former uh, minor league uh, player for uh, uh hockey and uh, he's gonna uh, do a he wanted we're gonna do something here. Uh Paul, how you doing tonight? Good, how are you, Frank? Yeah, we're doing good. We're, great. we're doing good. If I break up a lot, I got a, I got a, I got a big thunderstorm right on, right on top of me. So. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> we had that all day here. We had that on the Jersey Shore all day. In fact, it's still still raining. Paul, you're the perfect you're the perfect guy to ask about coming back after playing. Uh, Four straight days and then uh, uh, playing eight eight periods uh, last night. What do you what do you think the what do you think tomorrow's game is going to be like? Are they going to be able to play? I think there's going to be a lot of uh, turnovers. Let's put it that way. Mm. <laughs> oh, that 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 was uh, that was impressive. I, that that uh, that takes a lot out of you. I I mean that, that's that's no joke. Uh, those guys, my hats off because that's that's some serious conditioning. And Columbus, I mean, you know, Columbus, they're they're not they're a gritty team, and, and so they're used to that you know, kind of slower play and stuff. But Tampa, Tampa has has gotten stronger. They added a couple additions that they can now play that that uh, the style that Columbus played them last year. Tampa can now play that mm-hmm. kind of hockey, and, and they're going to be trouble. Uh, that that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Dummy. Yes, you are. But Paul, but the main thing about that, who would ever thought, you know, watching last night's game in the afternoon, it turns to dinner time, it turns to late night. You expect 80 shots by 80 shots on goal by the Lightning and 51 shots by 61 shots by Columbus. I thought I was watching an NBA game. The only thing I was missing was the basketball. <laughs> With the high point total and everything else going on in there. I, <laughs> I, I bet Corpusalo lost about. I bet Corpusalo lost about eight pounds. <laughs> oh, he was real, oh, he was real sweating last night, you know. But oh, that's all the interesting <laughs> part about was Victor Hedman was not. If you watched the pregame activity before the game even started, they were questioning whether Victor Hedman was even going to be able to play. You know, oh, we have to yeah. watch him on the ice. Is he moving well? Is he going to be able to make? You know, is he going to be able to make the moves necessary to play in this type of game? And he winds up playing more yep. minutes than anybody else, and it makes the game play, saving play maybe one of the great plays in hockey yep. in, in that kind of a situation. Oh, yes. yep. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Sam Jones. I think at one point he had played like thirty-six minutes out of fifty or something, just some ridiculous number. I don't. I'd like to see what his his final minutes were because he was out there every shift. Seemed like. Yeah, right. I think it was just a couple of minutes behind Hey, but I think uh, Victor played the most. I think Scott played second. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, after the after the game was over, uh, Tommy's very best friend used to coach at Tampa. What a press conference he had! I don't know if you guys stayed listening <laughs> to that or not. That's no. <laughs> fine. <laughs> hey, Paul, tell you a funny no, story but... when, I, when when Tampa when Torch is down here in Tampa. Oh boy, he. You know, inside, you know, when he goes back in the office, greatest guy in the world. He even got me a couple of times. This one time he got, well, this is the ancient days. Remember the old tape recorders, right? You plug, they buy the tape, you yep. get the machine and plug it in. So anyway, 
is is Chief and Rick Peck was on on this joke. Chief was Bobby Taylor and Rick Peck was on this joke too. Torch. So I come up the stairs of the office. I said, Torch wants to see us. Oh, good to get get in and get out of here. I said, John, you got a minute? It's time to get the bucket, get the buck, 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 buck out of here. I don't want to ever, ever <laughs> see you again. <laughs> and I, Paul, I was scared as I was scared as crap. I come running down and see, you see, Giant Tortorella was you know, five, like you know, five foot, five foot nine, five foot ten. He come running down the hallway and he says, Tommy, get back here. I was only kidding. I was like, let's do it seriously. I said, okay. I was shaking my car. Then he said, let's go to let's go to lunch with uh, we want to go to lunch, so let's go to the buff. Let's go to a nice place for lunch one day. So <laughs> I got a good lunch out of it, guys. It got towards is a towards is a good friend, but. Well, Tommy, I'll tell you, for the show on last night, he he only he only answered three questions. <laughs> he came That's in. Difficult he, sat, he he sat down. He sat down, and uh, uh, the second question was, "Well, what did you talk about between periods?" Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He, he's probably telling you the truth because he he doesn't lie. I mean, that guy is so passionate and and straight oh, from gosh, the hip. Yeah. He's probably he's probably telling you the truth. Probably didn't say. Well, I, I think he was Paul because the honest guy went. Uh, when, yeah. when, he, he was he was terrific. He was terrific last night. Well, the the third question I, he couldn't really hear it was somebody I guess from the television area that one of one of the floor people or something because the question was about Scott, just what you're talking about. Uh, and the endurance that he showed and the way he played. But he couldn't really I don't know if he's is he hard of hearing, Tommy, because it didn't sound like he really understood the question. And I think sometimes uh, he's hard of hearing, but the one but down here in Tampa, if he didn't want to answer a question, here's what he said. One reporter is a Saturday night <laughs> and Lightning was not doing that great as at the time. One reporter brought his cell phone in the media workroom where Torch had the pre, pre, post-game press conference. And Paul and everybody, that's something you don't do. You don't bring your cell phone in there, and it ding, 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 goes off. Ding, 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 goes off. Torch says to the reporter, you want to get that? I, I want to get that. I can wait for it. I go, well, I'll tell you, get your phone call, and I'll stand up there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's they say he was, he, was, he was quick last night, but he, he, and I'm just – because being used to watching him on the post-game shows, I, I said to myself, oh, boy, this is going to be a beauty tonight. And he came out there. <laughs> I, and I guarantee he wasn't, he wasn't behind the mic. He wasn't behind the mic more than two minutes. He got up, walked out. Yep. <laughs> that was the end of three it's questions. That's all. And one, he just said, nothing. You know? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's right. That's right, because you get this girl, you get those young young reporters in there. They want to get that top story in there, Paul. So, so they go towards the first time up there, and Torch looks at them. They look at Torch. Torch well, I think he's like out. Bobby Knight, Tommy. I think he scares everybody when they come <laughs> yeah. in. Bobby used to, you know, Bobby was. They were always afraid to ask Bobby a question because he was right. going to jump all over them. I think they're the same way with Torch. I think they're afraid to ask a question. Because he's just going to say something they don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, but hey, Tom, yeah. at least uh, at least he wasn't like Tommy Lasorda when he was asked about what did you think of Dave Kingman's performance. What, <laughs> yeah. that, what do you mean? What do I think of his performance? <laughs> and it went down. That's one of the great. That's one of the great tapes of all time. It is. It is. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I remember that. But it's, it's funny because you. 
The torso, on the other hand, you know, at Channel 13 down here, Don, and everybody knows it, is a football box affiliate. I'm not going to cancel the call letters. Bob said, I can't see the reporter going in there. The reporter goes in there, talks to Torts, and he said, this is, this is what Gruden coached in the box. He said, real loud, hey, what's the matter? John Gruden not talking to you reporters today? He walked away. Typical Torts. You're up, Roger. But, hey. <laughs> well, that's yep. the guy who won the best There's only one the John Torturello. That's the you know about the uh, some of the the ones I was talking to uh, my buddy David Brody the other night because I found the tape about when uh, we were at the Phillies game and uh, Whitey Herzog uh, David David says ask him a question I said I'm not answering that question you answer <laughs> <laughs> so, so he did and we're going on vacation the next day. And I said to my late wife, we had the kids with us. I said that David's doing the uh, updates, you know, on Saturday morning. I said, you're going to hear a lot of bleeps on that interview <laughs> last night. And she said, well, what, what did he say on those bleeps? I said, we can't say it here in front of the kids. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. You know, guys. You know, we have so much experience in the radio, TV, and and what what is how hard is it? The team gives you the game notes for the game, and you the game notes and under anything interesting up there or not. And the media does not. I know they don't do it down here. They're they're fresh out of college. I could do anything I want. Blah blah blah. And they don't they don't do it. The, the players are. What's our, what's our thing, guys? They have the relationship with the players, and as you as you're the media, you go to their house. And that's what worked for me all those years, guys. And then I, I know you worked for you, Don. It worked for you, Roger, and, and Frank, everybody under the sun. It's just uh, you got to respect the player before you go in that room, locker, whatever you call it. You have to respect their room and their organization up there. And that's why. Yeah, I well, Dallas, that way when Dallas Creed, or Roger will tell you, Dallas Creed used to be a wonder at that too, boy. He could. If he if he was in a bad mood or something happened and and you you came in to ask a question, you better be ready. <laughs> oh, Dick Vermeil buried buried me that Monday when I was sitting behind Uh-oh. you and Big Al. About when I asked him about uh, Jaworski not looking off on the right. primary receiver, uh, he ripped me up one side and down the other. <laughs> You guys are looking around, smiling at me. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, no, Roger, Tommy, just to follow up with what you were saying, Don and I have talked about this uh, many times. The These uh, young uh, sports talk show hosts, like there's right. a Joe camera on WIP. I, I, I can't handle them. Because he trauma, he just tries to dominate everything, and he's got John Ritchie on there as a co-host. John Ritchie should be the main guy. Joe DeCamera should be the second guy, because it, whenever if Ray Dinger's on, he dominates Ray Dinger. People don't want to hear Joe DeCamera; they want to hear no. Ray Dinger, a Hall of Famer. Thank you. Like the night he was on with us for an hour, that was fantastic. Exactly. 
But they, 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 I'll tell you what, they, they, and they don't prepare like we had at Donald's Day. We used to have to go out and do everything. We didn't have producers. They got producers mm-hmm. that do all the work. Yeah, right. Sit there. Right. Well, how hard is it media getting reading the media notes like all the before the ball game, before lunch, you read the media <clears> notes. And the media guy you ask a question, you get a media guy, spring training, you read that read that story about a couple of places you want to interview you. I was taught Don and Roger and Frank and, and, and Paul by Jerry Howarth. Jerry Howarth was a is a friend was a friend of mine working for the Blue Jays. He always came up to me and and he says, Tommy, when you get in this field, let the players do all the talking. When you go right. to the locker rooms, that is their home. And, and those two methods stuck in my head and it's very successful. I'll tell you, one Tommy, of the best, I, I Tommy, was Ralph Bernstein. Ralph Bernstein was one of the best oh, yeah. of all time. Worked, worked for AP for all those years. He was a terrific guy, too. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, he could, he could get under the skin of anybody. I mean, he... He would go in there, and he wasn't afraid to ask any question. They, they knew when he, they knew when he was going to ask a question. It wasn't going to be complimentary. Well, Roger Howard Fire asks score. a lot like that, Don. He's not yeah. afraid to ask the tough question. And, That's and right. when you think about like uh, Ray Kelly, when he was with the uh, Bullet, and we had him speak at uh, a class at Temple one night, and that whole group that uh, was like the Inquirer. Uh, we were talking about Frank Dolson and and uh, uh, Alan, uh, who was the uh, Alan uh, that was the Inquirer uh, beat writer, and Ray Kelly, Alan Lewis, uh, Ralph Bernstein. All those guys were from a different era. Okay, there's right. no doubt about it. I mean, just like we were, we're from a different era, you know, mm-hmm. compared to uh, you know the, the way it is uh, today. And I think that the guy that I like, because he, he's from the old time and he's on a lot of different networks, is Jody McDonald. Because Jody mm-hmm. gets into it, you know, and, and, uh, right. and gives you insight. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really understand. Uh, we're getting away from the point here a little bit, but, and our guests. <laughs> but I, 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 Jody, I don't understand why he keeps jumping to so many different, why he doesn't maintain one one job. I mean, he's always money. He first money. he's on first he's on FAN, then he's back on IP, then he's someplace mm-hmm. else. He never he never stays anywhere. Well, no, th- that's the way they are now, Don. It's all uh, part timers, and he's on C- uh, yeah. he's on Sirius XM, Major League Baseball. He's on a lot of different shows. Like he put down a uh, an email or a tweet. Uh, he said he was going to be on like nine straight days. But on like different networks, and that's right, where right. He, fill, that he fills in. And uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the guy that also is on WIP is doing a great job doing the uh, Yankees games in English because of John Sterling being out. Ricky Ricardo, and he does the right. the uh, Spanish. That guy could uh, could do talk show, play by play on anything. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Ricky's good guy too. Right, yeah, nice before time. we uh, before his time's up, uh, Paul, why don't you tell us about how the uh, how your campaign's going? I think it's going very well. Um, I'll get, uh, next Tuesday is the uh, is the election, so um, I've learned a lot, uh, Frank, in, in the last uh, nine months. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I've I've learned a lot, but um, when lose or draw, I, I, I've I've learned I learned a lot, so um, I appreciate everybody. Uh, the support that we're getting is is 
is awesome. Uh, couldn't ask. You for, really had a you really had a, a difficult time because you had a difficult time because uh, you know when we yeah. when we met uh, Frank and so forth, you know we you couldn't yeah. put groups together now because of the virus. You, you right. couldn't you know you could you couldn't yep. go to apartment buildings. You couldn't go to different yep. places that have mm-hmm. a. Uh, so, so it had to be that much more yeah. difficult for you to get your name across. Yeah, it was it was tough, and then and I come up with this Zoom stuff that I, I don't even know. I'm I'm computerly challenged, but uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, but I think we're doing really well. Uh, Frank's the best campaign manager that you could ever ask for. Um, oh, so let's don't overdo I, it. Uh, don't overdo it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm up in Pennsylvania, uh, Paul. What uh, uh, position are you running for? And uh, you know, bring bring me uh, everybody up. Give them a little idea of what you have learned in the last nine months, because I find that fascinating. Well, yeah, I, I can tell you right now that I, I when I went into it, I, the only time I ever spoke in front of anybody was when I was a canine deputy. We do like canine demonstrations for the sheriff's office, so. I, maybe five or, you know, six, seven people. But now, you know, I, I, I've come a long way. As far, I'm still, you know, I still open them up. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. I'm definitely not a public speaker. Uh, but I've gotten more comfortable. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is uh, uh, just be yourself. And I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And, and if you're passionate, you speak from the heart, it, it comes across right, you know. So uh, I learned to, to uh, I'm not as uh, nervous speaking I'm still not there yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. Well, you're, you're, you're right about Frank because Frank opens a lot of doors and he knows exactly which yeah. direction to go. And he's had worked on a lot of yes. campaigns. And I'll tell you, my yeah. my votes are already in. I I did a uh, absentee ballot. I came back to New Jersey, so my oh, votes are already in. Thank you, sir. Now, to answer your question, I was, I'm running for. Uh, Running for uh, Sarasota County Sheriff to answer your question. I didn't think I, I, I missed that part. Uh, oh, great. Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I lived in uh, mm-hmm. Georgia for a number of years, and um, I can remember uh, when the uh, Hall County Sheriff, and I just saw that uh, my my former neighbor is a good friend of mine, Robert Reese. Uh, you may know his father. Uh, I think he's the, uh, what, 37 years as the sheriff in uh, what is is that uh, Jones County in Georgia? Uh, yeah, he's a, a, yeah. a legend, and you may have met him. He's just a I, I met him because he, my neighbor was his son in, in Georgia. But he's just a great guy, and I have a lot of credit. Give a lot of credit to law enforcement today on what the uh, mm-hmm. these yes, people, sir. men and women, are having to put up with. Let me tell you. Oh boy! Oh boy! Unreal. Yes, sir. Hey, Roger, as, as they said in the old days, I don't care where you live, just put the ballot in the mail, mail it to me, and I'll get it in for you. That's right. That's right. Paul, you've done a fantastic job of uh, bringing, uh, bringing the public uh, awareness to uh, some of the lack of uh, integrity in, in – um, in the political arena uh, today, um, of all the things that you, you've uh, accomplished, and it has been a major accomplishment that you have you've gone up that mountain, like I've told you before, uh, and you're at the pinnacle right now, where um, you have both the Democratic and uh, Republican 
um, supporters across the aisle. And I don't mean A-S-I-L-E. I mean I-S-L-E, right. meaning, meaning the whole <laughs> island. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing now that the people are calling and asking, uh, do you think Paul will be able to work with uh, this one or that one? And the, my answer is Paul works with yeah. everybody. Um, there's no yeah, problem uh, in anything. Good. But you, you know, you know, in, in law enforcement, as any any chief or or, or a sheriff or something like that, I, I believe I, I from my heart, I said it from day one that it shouldn't be about party affiliation. It should be about what's best for every single citizen that lives in that county or city. And mm-hmm. and I, I've I've learned that that's absolutely the truth. And uh, I'm I believe that to the core. It shouldn't be about party affiliation. And and I'll never. I'll never sway that way. I'm a Republican, but I still am for what's best for every single person. I think that's the way it should be. Right. Well, I'll tell you You one thing. You're assuming assuming this job at the most difficult time in the history of the United States. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? You're correct on that, Don, but he is ready because – uh, Paul has been not only a, a deputy, uh, he's been a federal air marshal, he's been a federal investigator, he's, he's been with the Homeland Security, and he's led the Viper team around the world. Um, and he's got one of the uh, highest um, security clearances uh, that only uh, very few people in this country have. So he's well prepared to take on any um, any situation. And the neat thing with Paul is when when the tough gets going, and things are really coming down. He's calm, cool, collective, makes a decision, and follows that decision. There's no backing off. Yep. And it's that's usually the, the correct it decision. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the way it should be. Thank you, Frank. Well, yep. I, yep. I met him. Yes, I met him just once when I was with you, Frank. We went out to breakfast, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll tell you, a, a very, very impressive young man. And, and uh, you know, I wish him nothing but the very, very best of luck. I, 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 I don't envy the job he's going into. I'll tell you, I'd yep. be scared to death. But, <laughs> yep. but, uh, yeah. uh, well, it, I, I'll, I'll be. Uh, I'll have a. Uh, I'll have a fantastic uh, team around me. So it's not just one person. It's, it's the entire team that that, that makes it work. So uh, I'll have a fantastic group with me. So uh, it's uh, push on. I'll tell you a real cute story about uh, the Hall County. They they uh, got a, 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 a another jail, you know, like a a sub a, a sub jail, you know, like in a, in a neighborhood. And what happened is there was this guy that had been a, you know, he was incarcerated for like a week, we'll say, you know, for non-payment or something. But he was very handy with sheetrock. And when uh, the sheriff decided to take this building they were getting for, like, you know, uh, two cents, they got a heck of a deal. And this guy did all the sheetrock. Well, he was so proud, and they were so proud of the job because he wasn't, you know, in there for any long term. It was like a week, okay? But he did such a great job. He brought people in that he was going to do contracting work to show him the sheetrock job that he had done in this new jail, and he got a lot of business <laughs> because of it. And I think that's a great story. Oh, it's awesome. You, you know, guys, right. there's, there's one thing when somebody walks into uh, 
into a new position. It's always a, a, a shaky thing to do. Um, you know, you've, you've got to find your staff. You have to do everything else. Over the nine months that uh, Paul's been running, he has quietly and put, put together a transition team of business people, each in its own um, bailiwick, uh, accounting, um, HR, uh, personnel, uh, and tactical stuff that are, lawyers. that are lawyers that are going to be able to walk in on day one, assist him in making decisions, and uh, it's it's the first time that's ever been done in Sarasota County, uh, in the history of the county, and the first time on the west coast of Florida that has ever tried this. So uh, you got I have to give him a, a lot of kudos on that one, too. Well, I'll tell you, well, Paul, I have to tell my daughter and son-in-law uh, to vote for right. Paul. They, they live in Sarasota. Don knows exactly where they are in a 55-plus community about 15 minutes from his condo. And, uh, and, and of course, they're on the road a lot because my son-in-law is a truck driver for a farm down there in Naples. They have to go down to Naples to pick up mm-hmm. the truck. But uh, they, they, I just talked to my daughter yesterday. So uh, I will uh, be out there campaigning for you, Paul. There you go. Oh. I appreciate that, sir. Well, Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, you always well, have, Paul, well, you always have an open microphone. In the last Paul. week of a campaign, there's always a on. lot of things to get get done. So uh, um, we're going to let you uh, go have some time with Joanne. Uh, she's been uh, been a, the rock behind the, uh, the fence there. That, uh, <laughs> you know, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. She's probably out front. She wasn't behind. She was the rock behind. She was the rock in front. Listen. <laughs> She's right now standing in the doorway tapping her foot and straight up Marissa Tomei style from my cousin Vinny. So <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> so I'll let you guys go. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Take care. Uh, Good luck, Paul. Paul. Anytime, right, Paul. You, you guys appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. Mikey's ready to go. Oh. Mike great. is ready to go, and I want to see. I, we held off on the Washington game this afternoon because uh, we had so many other things to talk about with the Lightning and what's happened in National Hockey League and Bill Berge in football. But, uh, Mike, I want to tell you, I don't know if you had a chance to see that whole hockey game this afternoon, but another good one, and I'd like to get some of your observations before uh, I ask you a question about it. I'm thinking Barry Trotz had one heck of a locker room talk in between the second and third period. Because after uh, the cap to nothing, uh, the Islanders came back and with four unanswered goals. And it, it was kind of like, I'm going to be doggone if I'm going to lose to these guys who let me go like that after I won a Stanley Cup. Y'all better go out there and get me some retribution. Well, they had a little problem, too. I mean, they, you know, they lost the- – <laughs> Uh, well, they lost one of their players because he broke the, the uh, uh, quarantine and, and wasn't there to play. But well, I Lars thought, Zeller but, had uh, – I talked about that last week. Lars Zeller didn't break quarantine. Lars Zeller came home to this area for the birth of his child. Uh, so they knew he was going to be gone. Um, John Carlson probably came back a little bit too soon. Um, the injury to Backstrom uh, w- was big. And um, Kuznetsov just really hasn't been playing that well. 
So the Caps are going in there. They were already down a center. You lost Backstrom early in the first for all intents and purposes. Right. And so it's going to be real interesting to see what they've got uh, for centers going into game two because you're really gonna, they're going to need to bounce back. Um, they just haven't clicked at all thus far in either the round robin or at least in this game. And when the defense, the offense hasn't really gotten going. Um, you My know, guy, I uh, thought they, made, I thought they really made a critical mistake at the first in the first period. I thought the Islanders, uh, and I, I, I don't know, maybe I just disagree with the announcers a hundred percent. They talked about what a great, entertaining, physical uh, first period they played in that game, and uh, to me, they were unnecessary fights, unnecessary penalties. The Lightning were not really, uh, the Islanders were not really, uh, really up on their game in the first period. They didn't really start to play until the middle of the second, uh, second period. And uh, once they scored that goal with what ninety seconds to go at the end of the second, which really set the momentum into the third, where they tied it very quickly in what twenty six, twenty eight seconds of the third. Uh, but I, I thought they came, everybody talked about that this was going to be a really physical game, and we're not going to let anybody knock us down. We're and they, they were just fighting over nothing and got themselves into a penalty situation. And the first period, to me, was a waste of time for, for the Islanders. <laughs> I did not think that. I thought that it's one way to put the thing to play physical. What the Islanders were doing was a little bit unnecessary. I agree with you. I think that they had the Caps power play been more effective, and it's not been particularly effective th- throughout this playoffs uh the caps could have put that game away in the first quarter the fact that it two one going into the third uh is more down to the caps inability to, to to score and this is it's not new you know even against columbus last year in the playoffs they really struggled offensively. They don't put, uh, and one of the big criticisms was in the last, in their playoff exit last year to, to Columbus, was that they just don't put the puck on net as much as you would like to see. They, they keep waiting around for the perfect shot. And sometimes you just need to, to, to fire it in there and see what happens. Um, I, yeah, but they were killing him out. They were killing him out. The blue line, they, you know, he, he never really got any clear. I think in the whole game, if he got one clear shot, I think he was going left to right in the third period, and he got one clear shot at the net, but not a – I mean, there was no force to it. But he, he really didn't get any shots today. Mm-hmm. And that's been a story. We saw that against the Flyers in the last round where they – the round-robin win over Caps that they were able to hold them scoreless. Um, Ovechkin is a major part of the team, and w- – he has not been able to get it going. Uh, they've really missed John Carlson. Uh, hopefully he's back healthy enough they can get something out of him. We hope that uh, that hit on Backstrom was useless, and I'm, I'm expecting some sort of suspension as a result right. of that. Uh, hopefully Backstrom's able to play. Uh, Lars Zeller probably will miss another game as he works back through quarantine. I think he's got a couple of days left. It comes a little bit too quickly for game two, but he should be back for the remainder of the series afterwards. That could be uh, a lift for them. 
what's gone on with Kuznetsov has been a mystery for months now, um, for the whole entire season. Uh, he was so effective for them in the Stanley Cup campaign, and his play has just steadily gone down since then. And they talked about trading him. They they tried to do anything they could, and it just hasn't worked. Uh, Todd Reardon's going to have to figure out something because there's not much left for this core. You know, they've got this go-round. Um, Ovechkin's contract is up, I believe, at the end of next year, and they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with him. You would suspect that they wanted to re-sign him, but that's really going to put a hit on the salary cap. Um, you know, you maybe got this season and next season as the caps are currently existing. And if they can't win another Stanley Cup during that time, it might be looked upon as, you know, slightly disappointing. And here is a team now near the top of the Eastern Conference for, you know, the better part of a decade and only come away with one Stanley Cup in that run. And, you know, right now you, you had a really disappointing playoff exit last year. You underperformed in the round robin to finish, to drop into the third position or to stay, stay at the third position. You know, they had a shot to move up. And now you find yourself in a one nil hole against your former coach. And mm-hmm. I think this series goes, you know, six. I could see that. I think this is a six game series. I, I don't think, think I think you might be. I think you might be right. I think six may be the number. Uh, the other thing I can tell you is that the Flyers uh, right now are just finishing the first period. They're up one nothing. And uh, I think there's like three seconds to go. I'm not sure, three or five seconds to go. No, I'm, I have and, nine points of TV. I'm watching. Yeah, there it is. I see it up there now. He's put up <laughs> 9.3. Re- 9.3 to go. But they have been just, I mean, you, you look at how you contrast how the Flyers have gone about business since they got to Toronto versus how the Caps have played. And the Flyers – we were wondering before this start, will they be able to keep, to, uh, keep up that momentum? Will they be able to do what they've been doing? And they've been able to do it largely. They've been able to do it without contributions from probably their two biggest players in Couturier and Giroud. But they've gotten goals. Um, they've Scotty gotten lost a lot, of, a lot of goals, Mike. Scotty lost. Yeah. You know, Provorov has the one today. Um, they've been able to find scoring in, from other lines, from other players. You know, Washington largely has not been able to do that. You know, again, they're without probably their 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 second or third best centers. You know, Ovechkin's been largely bottled up. They're really missing uh, John Carlson, who's having one of the best offensive seasons for a defenseman, uh, and. But it, it, so those are all things that you can point to. But it's hockey. Next man up. Well, I think depth also, Mike. I think they have a tumble with depth, and they were talking about that. I never heard so much conversation about a fourth line as I heard <laughs> in this game today. I mean, I guess the depth of the Islanders, the depth of the Islanders, just is that much better. I think that you know this. It, it also is. You look at it. It's a salary cap sort of thing. For uh, Washington, 
you know, because right. they've got TJ Oshie, because they've got Carlson, because they've got um, Holtby, because they've got back all on pretty big money, it limits what they've been able to get. They've had to go and dive. And when it all comes together, it looks really, really good. When it all doesn't, you find yourself in this situation. But I still think that they have the talent at the top end on the first two lines to really give it a good go. Tommy? I'm not agree with about that because this way here, it's just, it's just that, you know, Washington's had their windows just like Mike the Sorts of Lightning did, had their windows in 15, 16, 17, 18, and even 19, the best record ever. And uh, right now they're saying that hopefully the window's not closing right now, but you know, as I told these guys before he came on, you, you know, yeah, when it was Kucherov had that open, that he shot it wide. Avaleski once again, he's, he's, he should be a stand-up goaltender, but now he gets down below and he can't see anything half the time. And and Victor had to give him credit for paying the best effort in that game on in that in that following game. But Yanni Gord, Anthony Cirelli, uh, Cedric Cedric Paquette, Yanni Gord that Yanni Gord Cahorn, and at one line. Those, those five or six players I mentioned was the reason for Tampa victory the other night. It wasn't for the big stars. The big stars didn't do nothing except for Victor Hedman. Great effort him on the ice. But those other people I mentioned, as Kucherov, um, Ryan McDonough, and also Andre Vavilovsky have done nothing so far in his pre-games. And they got very lucky to win that game. And the Brendan points goal, two goals that night, and a great effort for Brendan. But those those four guys got to step it up, Mike, for the next game. Just coming. Roger, give us, a, give us a Philly, give us a Philly score before you get to hockey or whatever. Baltimore's up four to three. Uh, bottom of the fifth, two down. Didi Gregory is up the back. Zero and one the count. Two out. What? Watts says, Watts says Orioles, uh, 60 game schedule. <laughs> They're surprising everybody. <laughs> They're looking That's good. Really. Go. They, they really are. I mean, they, <laughs> they're sitting at eight and seven right now. I think a lot of people didn't think that they would win eight games in the entire 60. <laughs> Mike, you can't, name eight, you can't name eight players on the 28 man roster. Pretty sure that That's if right. you gave me a team list and you said, Baltimore Oriole or something else. I couldn't pick get fifty percent of them right. <laughs> you, if we you did it, if we did a thing, does this guy play for the Baltimore Orioles? I bet you I wouldn't get more than I wouldn't get fifty percent of them right. And so <laughs> look, full credit to them. You know, you, you do kind of expect at some point they're gonna regress to the mean, but in a sixty game season, what does that even look like? Well, yeah, they're halfway on good players, Mike. There's no doubt about it. I watched that game last night, and uh, they definitely have talent on that team now. So, uh, you know, they've got what the manager's in his second year, and uh, they've got some uh, some really good pitching. That's the key. They've got some good That's pitching. Right. They've got some good talent. The question is going to be whether or not they are able to and want to hold this together. Because we've seen this from the Orioles before. They'll get a good season, and then mm-hmm. they'll start slowly taking stuff apart once guys get out of team, in arbitration years. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that was the thing that killed them last year. They had just had no pitching at all. And as Roger said, you weren't you weren't on with us earlier. We talked about uh, the Phillies and, and their bullpen. What did you say? It was almost a 10 ERA, Roger, for the, yeah, for the so Phillies bullpen. And that that's the way the Orioles pitching staff was last year. But uh, they they straightened it out a little bit. But it's still, it's still very surprising what they've been able to do uh, with the pitchers that they've had, at least up to now. Now, the other thing is they've had some breaks in there where they weren't playing. Um, they played quite a few games at home. Uh, they right. really haven't had to play, I would say, the meat of the schedule. They're also benefiting from the fact that, you know, the the uh, Red Sox are also very, very down. Um, and they're playing a lot of their games out here. And some of the teams that we thought were going to be really good in this area, most who we're playing right now, aren't shaping up to be what we thought they were. You know, look at the Mets. Oh, they're terrible. And everybody was, they were the, everybody's darling. Everybody was picking the Mets. The Mets are going to win. And the, the Mike, Mets that's the way in. they've been talking about, that's the way they've been talking about San Diego for the last five years. They, oh, San Diego is going to really, they're going to challenge the Dodgers. They're going to be right there. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to go out and get Manny Machado for three hundred million dollars, and he's going to be this—he's going to be the key man to take us up to the top of the National League West. That—that's baloney. You got to have players. You got to have depth. And does anybody like? I'm not going to lie. There's no love lost in between me and the Mets. When anybody's <laughs> making these predictions, it's like the Knicks. Do you all actually really believe what you're saying, or do you, at one point in time, can you just caveat any prediction you make about either one of those teams and just say, it's the Mets, it's the Knicks? Yeah, they might look good on paper, but remember, once they put on that uniform, they're still the Knicks. They're still the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll oh, tell you, wow. Roger hit it right on the head at the beginning of the show at 730. I mean, you know, the, everybody talked about the Phillies and what they were going to do offensively this year, what they were going to do with the pitching staff, that they were going to be a you know really major factor, especially in 60 games. And, Roger, they, they just have looked awful. They have. They absolutely have. They split with uh, the two best teams, the Yankees and uh, the Braves, and, and yet they got, uh, what, uh, swept by the Marlins or three out of four. Uh, right. and, and now, you know, uh, but with uh, Baltimore, uh, you know, Baltimore looks good. I mean, and last <laughs> night, you know, they they uh, they had a nice lead. Then Baltimore tied it up, and they took the lead. Phillies came back, and then you have that uh, that goofball uh, error for two runs that w- w- really uh, wins the game for uh, Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, because right. the Phillies were. That's what it was. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, Roger. I was watching uh, the game, I guess, on Monday. And Aaron Nola looks good. Oh, he was great. And then you saw what the bullpen did. Yep. And, and Nick Pavetta, buddy of mine texted me. sent to the minors. But the thing I'm a little text- surprised about there is that he, does, he, he, he ran out of gas. It was with, what, actually about, what, six and a third, six and two thirds. And, uh, you know, you would have thought when he struck out 10, I think it was 10, you would have thought he would able to go, you know, and put that game away. But, uh, huh. you know, he gave it up to the bullpen, and then the bullpen gave it away. Well, mm-hmm. but that's right. kind of been – Joe should have let him stay in there to, for the uh, ninth inning. 
Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that was the mistake. Kinda, they played him how the Phillies have liked to play Max Scherzer, which was let him run up a bunch of pitches, let him strike out as many as he wants to through the first six innings. He'll run himself out of gas, and you'll get him out by the seventh or the eighth, and then you can just go into the bullpen. If the game is close, That's right. mm-hmm. then you want to get to the bullpen. And I watched the Phillies – I watched in person the Phillies do that with Max Scherzer. And they hung around, hung around, hung around. And, yeah, he struck out 11 in six innings, but by the time he got through the six inning, he had already thrown like 90-something pitches. And so you knew his day was over. The bullpen came in, the Phillies got a lead. Now, that particular game, and this was a couple of years ago, they weren't able to hold on to it. But, you know, that was how they played them, and that's how I saw the O's kind of playing um, Nola. Let him pitch. They should have let him I don't know how many, how many pitches did he throw, uh, Roger. I don't remember the uh, the number of pitches. I, I know he – I'm almost sure he had ten strikeouts in the first like six innings. He had, he had he had ten strikeouts, uh, and the thing is that uh, they were debating on letting him go because it was thirteen to one, and right. then they brought oh, Nick Pivetta in, and he gave up what five runs, mm-hmm. and then they were they were the uh, then they were still worried because they got down. I think it was what the final score thirteen to eight. Well, first right. of all, you do not allow that to happen, period. I don't care who you are. You don't let that happen. If you've got to take a, a different guy when you have these expanded rosters, you, as soon as you let a guy on and you don't have anybody out, get somebody else in there. Okay? You can't do any worse. Well, in the post-game interview when uh, you know Joe Girardi came on and, and of course, the two uh, – the two analysts are, that work the show uh, for for uh, the Phillies uh, yeah, Michael Bart- really came down. Yeah, yeah, they really came down hard on Joe about why he why he took the pitchers out, and uh, Joe mm-hmm. said my responsibility is protection of the players first, and uh, that's the reason mm-hmm. he made the move, and he talked about that with a couple of pitchers that uh, you know against what they may want to do. My responsibility is to win games, but it's also to protect the players and not let them get themselves, which is absolutely true. And they they crucified him for that. Well, Eflin Mm. is, uh, he's down 4-3, and uh, I think he's got, I just saw 90 pitches, and that's in the uh, end of uh, six innings. Oh, my God. So he's got maybe, he's got maybe one more inning to go. Yeah, if if he uh, if they let him stay in, but that they have, I'm sure Joe has so little confidence in that bullpen. You want the starters to to go the the route in every game. But the thing is, yeah, you know, the Hector Orioles, Norris, the Orioles, Hector Norris last night. I mean, he lost that game. The Orioles and the Phillies are in the same boat with the bullpen. I mean, they knew that uh, the Orioles were in a more difficult situation, but. The Phillies knew all last year that the bullpen was terrible. They had right. all winter to, to try to improve the bullpen. And uh, they talk about, well, they let a lot of the veteran pitchers go and kept these guys that they had no record, had no right. – no, uh, and, and this is what's happening. I mean, they let every, they let every veteran pitcher that they had at spring training or preseason training, whatever you want to call it with the 60-game schedule – they know all the veteran guys go, and for all these guys in, they have no record. That's right. Wow. And that's why they, they are paying the price. 
and that's why Clentac and um, and um, Andy uh, uh, they they had to go. You know, they they should have gone with Cadler. You get rid of him, get rid of them too. That's right, Roger. They've done right nothing, about that. nothing to build this team up. You're right about that. At least we still got the Flyers. Yeah, the Flyers mm-hmm. are looking good. You know what I said, Mike? The guy that I'm happy about is the gentleman that I have a lot of respect for. We all do. Looking down from above, and that's Mr. Ed Snyder. Yes, He's it is. He's got to be a happy Flyer. Yeah, I got to say, his heart and soul was it were in the Flyers. I mean, they were they – they meant everything to him. He built the organization from zero. And uh, build them up, and, and uh, they made a couple of comparisons in the uh, game today, the Islander game. Uh, when the Islanders came out, I talked about it in the beginning, and uh, they decided they were going to be real physical. They were going to they, they were not going to be uh, intimidated, and got themselves into so much penalty trouble in the first in the first period. But they said, "Well, oh, this is like the Flyers used to be." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh boy! The Flyers were doing it. You could get away with it. <laughs> yeah. The That's old right. Broadway they... bullying, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, they were making the old... they were making that comparison on the game today. The fact that the Islanders come out there and start beating people up and knocking people down <laughs> and, and wound up in fight. But but Don Rogers, Frank, and Mike, you remember this line? Fred Shore puts out this line. I think like, the Flyers are losing two to one. Game's going to come to an end real shortly. Schultz, Kelly, Zaleski. Puck drops. Pick a man out and beat the crap out of him for the Flyers. I remember that. Game. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we had a great we had a great weekend of uh, as Roger said, leading up to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and now now that they've started, but. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, uh, Mr. Hamilton is ready from our golf center, our PGA <laughs> professional, and what a tournament he had. What a tournament yeah. the PGA had the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, Mike, mm-hmm. we're going to yeah. bring you. Can stay with us with, you can stay with us for a little golf, but I want to hear what our resident pro has to say about that tournament. Yep. Well, uh, I actually, uh, for the first time in several weeks, had a chance to, to watch um, a good bit of the golf tournament, uh, being, being on the West coast, certainly that, you know, lent itself to, uh, some more viewing pleasure for me. And, and, uh, I, I watched a good bit of it. Um, you know, the, I love the majors. Um, you know, as we've talked about over the course of time, I mean, the British open is probably my favorite event. Um, obviously mm-hmm. you gotta love Augusta, but, um, you know, the PGA championship, obviously as a PGA professional, um, I'd like to, uh, you know, watch all that and, and, and stay up on uh, as much as I can. And, and that was a fun golf course to watch it on. Harding Park was um, had some cool little holes, and, and um, right. you know that sixteenth that sixteenth hole uh, that last day uh, certainly made a, a tremendous difference in, in the event itself. Um, hmm. You know, more more drove the green there and, and made that eagle putt. And uh, gosh, what a gutsy shot that was, and and, and well executed. Um, but no, you know, let me interrupt for a second to ask you one question. Yeah. Don't, don't you think that that rivals Nicholas's one iron at the, at the Masters? That shot <laughs> oh, gosh. on the 16th. I mean, there have been so many timeless shots, um, you know, in the game in terms of uh, moments that people have had the ability to step up. And, you know, gosh, you can you can talk about, um, 
Uh, 22 Boston. years old, or with 22 years old, you don't get a shot like that with three holes to go, and you got a <laughs> no. you're in a three way tie well, for first place. You know, I, I meant to I meant to ask you, but I wonder, wonder what his odds actually were. What were his odds to win the tournament? Do you know that? We were talking about. I don't, that you know, I don't know. I, was, I don't I was know. Just for, for giggles, I was curious um, because you know I I had mentioned Xander Schauffele, and I, he played very well. I mean, he was I think he finished top ten. He was 18 to one, but that guy Morikawa was. Um, you know, he's pretty fresh out of um, UC Berkeley. So, I mean, he's, you know, or actually not, yeah, Cal, yeah, he was from Cal. And, um, you know, so he's he's familiar with, with that whole entire area. And he's already yeah, he talked about that in the post. He's talked about how familiar he was. He played a lot of his, he doesn't, he doesn't live too far away from there. And his parents said, yeah. you know, he had played there a lot of, a lot of times before he got into this. Yeah, I mean he's he's a young man and and uh, had he's won three times on tour already and one of them is a major. So I mean, yeah, certainly I'd like to think we can expect uh, some good things out of him in his future. But um, you know, back to your point, Don. I mean, he he had played so good. I mean, he chipped in on one of those holes and and uh, made it a unconscious birdie. And I think that he was very poised, uh, you know, throughout the event and stayed patient on a lot of those holes. And uh, he. Mm-hmm. 16 he you know he hit the perfect shot with a little tiny cut and um well executed and then obviously stepped up and made the putt and uh coming down the stretch there on 17 18 he held himself together and you know obviously it was it was very tight a lot of guys at the top of that leaderboard and and really at any point in time anybody could have taken a step forward and um you know he was the one that did so it was really really exciting uh, to watch that event and uh, you know some of the bigger names i think uh Although Dustin Johnson played okay, I mean, I think he had some of his chances there and and squandered down down the stretch. Um, his putter died. What's that? His putter died. Dustin yeah, Johnson, I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, also too. I mean, you, you know, you talk about um, you know a lot of the a lot of the pros. I mean, they're particularly a lot of the ones that are the Florida guys. You know, playing on the West Coast is is a little different. I mean, you would expect it. I think something different out of um, a guy like Phil Mickelson to, to have played a little better. And uh, I think there was clearly a lot of, um, you know, excitement for Tiger Wood to tee it up and, and, and he didn't, you know, obviously really do very well. And uh, McElroy and, and some other guys that, that had some opportunities. I mean, we haven't heard from, um, you know, your Patrick Reeds and, uh, and some of those kind of guys over the course of time. So um, well, Jordan Spieth, more- he died too. Jordan Spieth has Jordan. played well, you know, for years actually. Um, yeah. You know, I was just flipping through the, the channel. Played the colonial, played the colonial well until the last day, but that's the last yeah. tournament that he's yeah. really mm-hmm. played well. Well, I mean, he was he was uh, you know, and Brooks Kepka was another one who uh, who was a dominating factor uh, on tour for several you know years and and, and majors. Um, you know, I was flipping through the channels last night, and I was watching the 2016 Ryder Cup at Hazeltine, um, which to me was one of the, the best sporting events, um, particularly the Patrick Reed, um, Roy McIlroy match, which was just incredible. And then to see Phil Mickelson and, and Sergio Garcia, I think Phil made like nine birdies or something. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, with Jordan Spieth, even at that point in time, had kind of, you know, taken a step sideways, at least we'll say. Um, I mean, he's a uber talented player but he just we, we talked about this over and over i mean it's so hard to win on tour and right you know we're, we're spoiled with some of these guys that we see i mean 
you know, whether we see another Tiger Woods ever in our life is is likely doubtful, but the amount of time he spent as the number one player in the world and the dominance that he held, you know, over the tour week in and week out and year in and year out, winning all those players of the year and majors and all those sorts of things, you know, gosh, that is, I don't think people understand how difficult that really is to do. I mean, you know, um, you know, just to win a tournament is, is incredibly difficult with the amount of talent that's out there. And Don, we've talked about that any given week, anybody can win if they put, you know, three solid, four solid rounds of golf together. Um, right. You know, but, but that going, I mean, you know, look at um, Cameron Champ and, um, um, you know, some of these guys that um, I brought a blank here, the, the big guy that drives it all over the place um, that played okay for most of the events. DeChambeau. Uh, that DeChambeau, thank <laughs> you. I mean, these, these guys that experience um, amateur success and college success and, and tee it up, you know, on the PGA Tour, I mean, you know, that's a different class of people. And, um, you know, it's it's that going hard to win. Um, I mean, you can make an awfully good career finishing top ten, you know, as much as you can and winning lots of money. But at the end of the day, they, you know, they're they're judging you based on the amount of tournaments you win. So, um, you know, it's it's a tough thing to do. And, um, you know, like I said, I mean, Brooks Kepka had – won a couple majors there in a row and he's got four four career majors and, and they talk about um Roy McElroy winning the, the Grand Slam. I think he's got what one more to win, uh that, that he right. hasn't. So um I mean, you know, to to look back and to see, I mean everybody giving Tiger Woods a hard time because you know obviously his goal was, was to catch Jack Nicholas and he's got fifteen um you know, gosh, I mean majors. You know, to win right. fifteen majors. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> That's Jeez, a whiz. Well, you know what I mean? well, also, also, as you said, to be number one for what was it, two hundred sixty? So I don't know what the number is. Yeah. Now, I forget. But it's in the two hundred sixty range. So yeah, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, only two records I think will never be broken. That's one of them, and the other is the mm-hmm. fifty-six straight games by Joe D. I, uh, those are right. two records that I don't well, think will can, ever be broken. I believe mm-hmm. you can add a third, which which would be Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak. I don't I don't think exactly. that'll ever be broken. You're right. Well, especially especially now they don't they don't let anybody play now. So yeah. you're you're right. Yeah. They they would they will yeah. allow that to happen now. For sure. I mean, we could probably dig a little deeper and and find several more that are that are on the cusp of that as well. I mean, um, but I mean, you know, like That's you know, you know, looking back at UCLA and and all these different you know college programs and. Uh, the dominance that like the Bulls had winning, you know, three, three championships in a row twice. Um, I mean, there's so much parity in sports right now. Um, there's so much movement in free agency and, um, you know, guys that jump teams and, and go for the money. And I mean, it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're going to see to see the Patriots win, you know, all those division championships to see the Braves, you know, win all those pennants and, you know what I mean? Just, you know, that that's going to be hard to do, I think, because you, I don't, it's it's so hard to be that dominant. You know what I mean? And and I think that's kind of the narrative of what we're talking about is that the people that we've right. seen that have held that that era of dominance is going to be difficult for that for anybody else to to repeat because of all the parity that we have in the sports. Uh, you know, and Roger, Roger, Tom give Lewis us an Lewis. update on Philly score. Roger, we can't there get that go. game down here. Well, we're we're going to give you an update on everything. Six ten. <laughs> Are tied 121, 18 seconds remaining in the contest. So now we're going to go to uh, Toronto. The Flyers are up 
one nothing over Montreal. And now 16, we're back to the And the Phillies <laughs> are down four to three, five to three now to those Baltimore Orioles. I am watching that baseball game right now. Chant Cisco just hit a home run, make it five three. We're in the top of the seventh. The Orioles are batting with nobody out. And um gosh, I hate to say it, but I've I've watched more baseball this year than I did last year already. Um oh, and, and as and as bad oh, as no. bad as the Orioles let me tell you, as bad as the Orioles have been for two consecutive seasons. They're still bad, but they but they're but they're not as bad as people make them out to be. And I'm going to tell you something right now, just from watching these games, that is, the, couple, the Orioles have a couple cats on their team, like this guy right here, Hanser Alberto. That guy can flat out hit. He he yeah. he comes to the plate every single. I mean, he's hitting like 340 right now, and and he can flat out hit. The other guy, now I've said this for, for several seasons now, Anthony Santander, the the right fielder already has like 15 to 20 RBIs for the year. He already has like, I think, four or five home runs. That cat in a 162-game season will hit you 25 to 30 home runs and probably drive in daggone near 100 runs. Um, he can hit. Um, and as bad as the Orioles pitching staff has been over the course of time, they got something to, they got something to build with here. Um, and, again, I know they're bad, and they're going to lose their, series, their, their share of games, but they, their minor league system – uh, through the draft and, and Rule 5 and some of these moves these guys are making. This guy, Glacius, is a good player, too, the shortstop they signed. He's, in, he's only hitting right. a smooth they're, 366 they're, right I've now. I've watched them. They're on their way up. They're looking good. I mean, and, and they, they no like question. No they question. Like yeah. They're certainly making strides to, to be the not the worst team in baseball, but – I mean, look, they, you know, Adley Rushman and, and some of the moves they made when they dumped all the guys and trades they got, certainly we'll, we'll figure out if any of those uh, will come to fruition or not. But but Rushman and, and some of the guys, hopefully the guy they drafted last year, I mean, hopefully they can continue to stockpile. And, and, don't, and don't think for a second that at the end of the season when they have whatever the trade deadline is, which is another couple of weeks or month or whatever it is, anybody who has any value, I would say, on the Orioles is probably gone. That's not going to be part of the rebuilding process. And some of those guys are going to be part of their bullpen that they're going to get rid of, whether it's Castro or, or some of these other cats that they, they ship out of here. But, um, you know, they, they're missing Trey Mancini. I mean, they're, they're still wet nurse to, to Chris Davis's gazillion dollar contract that he's hitting Oh, 60 something again. So, I mean, I love the guy, but that go on. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, but also the one thing that, as you said, that, that you, you've watched more games this year already, uh, yeah. because they were just so bad. I mean, they were just such a yeah. poor team. You really, yeah. you, you really couldn't watch them. And uh, no. at least now, as Roger said, he's seen them play against the Phillies. I've seen them play against the Yankees. Uh, I've seen them play, uh, you know, not a lot of yeah. games, but I've seen them play a number of games. And they're so well, representative now. At least they're, they're an interesting team to watch. Well, you know, the, the last two years they were they, they were in between AAA and and Major League. They were a four A team. Um, but but this year, I mean, you start looking at uh, Nunez, Diaz, Alberto Iglesias, Santander. Um, I mean, some of these guys. I mean, Chancisco looks pretty good behind the plate. Severino looks pretty good behind the plate. Uh, John Means' velocity is up. Um, Alex Cobb has pitched pretty well. Uh, I mean, Malone and LeBlanc, the cast-offs that they got to fill in some innings, have pitched actually pretty well. Um, you know, some of the Rule 5 guys and, and, and bullpen guys they have are, are, are serviceable. 
Um, I mean, at, in a 60-game season, assume they play all 60. I, I, I mean, I would think if the Orioles could win 25 games, it would be year for them. Um, that's just my opinion. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they, they are seemingly more exciting this year to watch than, than I've seen um, in, in the previous couple. Um, and it's actually worth watching. Um, they, they've played a lot of these guys tough. They've lost. I mean, they, they beat up on the Nationals. They swept Tampa Bay. Um, you know, so they, they look like they belong on the field, at least. That's for sure. Tommy? Well, they got, they got oh, still great. one now, second and third with one down, the top yeah. of the seventh, and that's because Adam Morgan threw a uh, a, yeah. uh, a stopper. He picked it up yeah. and, and fielded it, and he threw it past first baseman. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I thought the Phillies, like, for you guys, I know you guys are Philly fans, but I mean Zach Wheeler was throwing ninety six, ninety seven the other night, last mm-hmm. night or whatever. When I saw him, I mean that guy's right. dominant. Um, you know they they've got some good pitching, and, and oh by the way, they spent three hundred and something million dollars on Bryce Harper to go with an already pretty good lineup with Gregorius and Hoskins and and uh, and some of the guys they've already placed on the field. I, I would think if you're a Philly fan right now, you're a little disappointed in in, in what they have in terms of what they're spending payroll. And and the return on investment mm-hmm. for wins that they're that they're getting. Um, and when you look at a team like the Orioles, you know have nothing to play for, nothing to win, nothing to lose. They they deserve to be on the field with these with these guys right now. They do. And, Absolutely. And yeah. and they look exactly. they look pretty decent. I mean, if you put mm-hmm. if you put Zach Wheeler and and um, maybe a Bryce Harper on the Orioles. I mean, you'd have you'd have squirrels out there talking about them winning the winning the pennant. You know what I mean? I mean it's really not that inconceivable to think if you added a couple pieces to their squad. That, you know what I mean? But that's you know, hey, for sixty games, Doug, anything can happen. Well, that's what I had already said. This you're going to catch a team that gets out of the gate that that for some reason starts winning, whether it's because of the COVID or. Uh, who they're playing or when they're playing them or, or whatever happens, it's just all the perfect storm comes together. It's going to be a team, you know, like the Rockies or, you know, I don't know, somebody like that who you don't really – they played okay, maybe like the Twins, you know what I mean? They have a chance to uh, to win games because their talent is pretty good, and then all of a sudden they just start winning, and next thing you know they're 40 and 20, and they're going to, they're going to potentially win the World Series. So, um, you know, <laughs> I think you're going to – I mean, look, you, you can look at the teams like the Yankees who – you know, they, they have that payroll year in and year out. Garrett Cole, we can talk about Stanton and Judge and all these different guys. Um, you know, they're going to win their share of games for sure, but but you guys know that in a three- or five- or seven-game series, anything can happen, you know. So once you get to that point, um, I think you're going to see somebody win the World Series this year who didn't necessarily think was going to. Well, I agree. Well, that's a- you know, i got to tell you something, Doug. The Philadelphia fans have been uh, cons into thinking about the Sixers as a championship yeah. caliber team. They stayed. Well they just lost one twenty five to one twenty one. And they got a lot now, of, they got a lot of injuries on that team. You know the well the whole Simmons. Yeah, they, and, they got and, a lot know, of Simmons down. Simmons uh, he just went down for it looks like a year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they've got a lot of they talent. Have... They weren't they weren't playing up when they had everybody. Okay. They well, they, they uh, they're 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 a fake phony fraud team. But sure. the people well, were lost asleep. Now you've got the Flyers that are now going to be hey. the people's choice. Yep. Hey, guys, can we hold yep. on that thought, Roger? Can we hold on that thought next until next week? We're, we're up against the clock. Frank just said the 
Tick, tick, tock, tick, 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 tick tock, the magic words. So Great show <laughs> as always. Thank you, Frank. You're the master. Yes. We're praying for the uh, colonel. I started doing it last night when I got your uh, email and uh, when everybody uh, pray for him. And But the good news was today that uh, I guess everything on that uh, procedure worked out pretty well. So that's yes, great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Terrific. Great. Terrific. Thank well, you. the other thing is, Frank, uh, best of luck to your uh, – your gentleman that's going to run for uh, that's enough. Going to run this for, for sheriff. He's only got only got a week to go, and uh, let's hope that uh, he makes the home stretch as much as he's been doing. And good luck to him. You're running a great campaign for him. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes, he is. Just sent it to my daughter-in-law about Paul Burns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, thank you. So, Have a great week. Take care, God fellas. Man. Take care, Thank you, guys. Okay. Have a great week. Tommy, Always a pleasure Frank, to have a legend song. God bless. And, guys, be safe out there, please. Well, Frank, I'd like to thank our guests, uh, Mr. Bill Berge, Mr. Roy Cummins, of course, uh, Mike Simzak, uh, Doug Hamilton, our golf guy, of legends, Roy Cummins of Tampa Bay, also Roger Hendler of Philadelphia, Don Henderson of Sarasota, and, and Jersey Shore. And most of all, you, Frank, for the job you do day in and day out, serving our, our serving our, our county of Florida, and also with the production of this show. My family and your family, as always, God bless you, and have a wonderful week. And thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the women of the Police and Fire Services, when you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please make sure that you know that they know that they know that you're there. Um, it's very important to everybody, especially the doctors, nurses, CNAs, all in the first line, and EMS, all first-line COVID workers. This program is dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty, Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Joe Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Patrolman Jeffy Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Onofa Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogo, Longbow Key Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Roddy Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Arthur Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Benny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper Steve, Corporal Stephen Boward, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Semi Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Latero, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, LA County Sheriff's Department, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. 
May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great day.
Good night, Bob. We love you and we miss you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.